so what assurances do we have that the human fall into sin will not repeat itself in heaven? This is a question from Nicholas in Camacho, Florida, who sent us an email to ask. Pastor John, I have often worried that after some time, after being in heaven, I will sin against God. If the devil, once perfect and in God's presence, fell into sin, what does that mean for us who are justified sinners? Could the sin of Eden be repeated in heaven? The thought that I might still sin against God when I am in heaven has plagued me for some time. Does the Bible offer Christians any hope that we will forever not sin once we are glorified? Yes, it does. And no, the fall will not be repeated in heaven. So here's here's why. The reason that we who are united to Christ by faith in his glorious work on the cross and in the resurrection— um, is that this blood which he shed seals a new covenant. That's why it's not going to happen. Um, we're not going to fall like Satan did or like Adam did. One of the marks of the new covenant is not only that God gives us eternal life, but also that God commits himself, because of Christ, to keep us from doing anything that would jeopardize our eternal life. In other words, the newness of the new covenant is precisely that God is committed to keeping us from falling away the way Satan did, or Adam and Eve did, in their days of innocence. They were not the beneficiaries of the blood-bought new covenant. We are. Jesus said this at the Last Supper, this cup is poured out for you, and it is the new covenant in my blood. And I take that to mean that everyone who is covered by this blood through faith in Christ is a beneficiary of that covenant. It's a blood-bought covenant. Those in Christ, covered by Christ's atoning work, are beneficiaries of this new covenant. And what God commits himself to do in this new covenant is spelled out in Jeremiah 31, Ezekiel 11, Ezekiel 36, Jeremiah 32. Let me just read a few phrases from those. I will make—this is Jeremiah 31, 31 following—I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, which Jesus now is applying to his new Israel, the people of God who are in Christ, that I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people, and I will forgive their iniquity and remember their sins no more. Then Ezekiel eleven nineteen, I will remove the heart of stone from their flesh, and I will give them a heart of flesh that they may walk in my statutes and keep my rules. And here's the best of all. This is Jeremiah 32, 40. I will make with them an everlasting covenant that I will not turn away from doing good to them. And I will put the fear of me in their hearts that they may not turn away from me. Now that is the bottom line new covenant commitment. Let me read it again. I will not turn away from doing good to them. I will 
put the fear of me in their hearts. In other words, it doesn't depend on us. God's going to take charge of keeping us. That they will not, they will not turn away from me. That's the point of my putting my fear within them. I won't let them turn away from me. In other words, the glory of the new covenant is that God will never find himself in the position where his redeemed people turn against him. Because the very heart of the new covenant is that he won't let it happen. I will put the fear of me in their hearts. They will not turn from me. It's precisely this keeping power of God, this keeping commitment of God, which Jude sees as the mark of God's majesty and dominion and authority. I preached on this a couple of years ago at Together for the Gospel. I was so moved by it as I came to the end of my pastoral time, looking back over 33 years and saying, he kept me. He kept me. I still believe. Can you believe that? I still believe. I wake up in the morning a Christian every morning, putting my faith in Jesus. Why? And here's what it says. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory and majesty, dominion and authority before all time, now and forever. Why did Jude rise to that level of acclamation? He did it because he was so stunned that God has devoted his entire being to keeping his children. That's the connection. The the very majesty and dominion and authority of God are behind the stipulations of the new covenant. He will keep his people from stumbling. He will present us blameless. He will keep us blameless. And here's one more aspect of the new covenant that underlines the same glorious truth. The resurrection of Christ led to his new role as the Redeemer in heaven who continually intercedes on behalf of the saints. is isn't as though he did a saving work for us and then he went on a vacation forever, kind of disappeared and the cross does it all. No, no. Christ does it all by mediating the work of the cross to the Father and applying it to us day by day. There's no reason to believe this is going to cease because Hebrews 7.25 says, Consequently, he, Christ, is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Amazing. And here's an example of what he prays for us. What does Jesus pray always, forever, into eternity, making intercession? Luke twenty-two thirty-one. 31, Jesus says to Simon Peter, Just before he denies him, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, when you have turned again, not if, when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. In other words, the intercessory work of Jesus on behalf of his people is to pray that our faith not fail. And even though Peter, in that part of redemptive history, before glorification, denied the Lord, he did not let him deny the Lord utterly. He didn't let him fail in his faith utterly. And once we obtain our glorified bodies and are completely conformed, as it says in 1 John, to Christ when he appears, 
that eternal intercession of Jesus will keep us from any sinning. This is what he bought for us Mm. in the blood forever. Yes. Amen. What precious blood that is. Thank you, Pastor John. And thanks for listening to the podcast and for making us a part of your daily routine. And I pray that our daily work will refresh your soul in the marvelous ongoing work of our Savior. For more information about the podcast and to search the entire archive of episodes or download apps for your smartphone or your tablet, go to our online home at desiringgod.org forward slash John. Well, we are going to close out the week with another gem of a question, and that is, what truths in the world do we need that we cannot find in our Bibles? That is a very shrewd question, and uh, I'll pose it to Pastor John tomorrow. I'm your host, Tony Ranke. Thanks for listening to the Ask Pastor John podcast with John Piper. We'll see you tomorrow.